Hey everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world wondering why... Don't they have kegs for playoff clinch celebrations? I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Wouldn't that be a lot easier? Would be a lot easier. I have to imagine that maybe that goes like one level beyond this is reckless and we have a baseball game to play tomorrow. At the same time, if there was going to be a team to do it, it was going to be the Baltimore Orioles. We are going to talk about your O's clinching a playoff spot in the year 2023. Remember when they were asked? That wasn't that long ago. We're going to talk about the O's. The Rays also clinched, but that was a little bit different. The Dodgers clinched another NL West title. We are going to talk about that as well. And then in the second half, we are going to wrap the weekend, hitting every series that was with a few thoughts from all 15 series. And finally, we will do probably one final check-in, at least for the regular season and October for sure, (laughs) on the Angels of Anaheim, who were officially eliminated once again and guaranteed another losing season because, oh my God, they're so bad. Okay, we're going to finish with that on a great note. But Jake, let's start with the the good stuff. It was billed as the showdown for the American League East. The Tampa Rays, the Baltimore Orioles, a four-game set, a opportunity at Camden Yards, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The Orioles, if they were to get one of the three, would get the tiebreaker over the Rays if they were to tie for the division at the end of the year, which was big. So one win was a must, two is preferred, four, we always love a mop. The Rays came out on Thursday and Friday and took two games. I was there on Thursday, a very close affair. Friday, Jack Flaherty was some butt, and the Rays pummeled him into the ground. Heston Kerstad, first career home run, Orioles' top prospect in a 7-1 to loss. And so you started to see a little bit of sweating. Okay, the, the train was coming off the tracks. Orioles, L4, tied with the Rays atop the division. Could this be the capitulation for the young team that the haters had been prognosticating? No, because friend of the podcast, Grayson Rodriguez, took the ball on Saturday and delivered the outing of a lifetime. Eight innings, scoreless with seven Ks. As I tweeted, adult behavior from G-Rod. Orioles taking that game to bounce back before a whirlwind on Sunday, down 3-1 to in the eighth, 
Adley Rushman game tying homer in the eighth inning, scratching a run across in the ninth down to their final out, again tying the game in the tenth down to their final out before a Cedric Mullins walk off sack fly in the eleventh gave the Orioles a well earned split, clinching a playoff spot and putting them in the driver's seat for the American League East. What a weekend it was at Camden Yards. Yeah, and you know, that G-Rod performance was was really special stuff and he's certainly been pitching later. It's not like this pitching better lately. It's not like this came out of complete nowhere. Just as impressive was them torching Tyler Glass now. Now I know the Orioles offense has been impressive all year against all kinds of good pitchers. But Glass now has really kind of found a groove in the second half of the season. I know he wasn't as good against Minnesota's last time out, but still to kind of knock him around and then to get to Pete Fairbanks, forcing Pete Fairbanks, who is holy shit good. I mean, or had the first half of the series, he was ter- terrifying. And they forced him to throw, I believe, a career high number of pitches in that comeback which is a little bit, but you can understand, right, the urgency that the Rays kind of put on this series as well, obviously. But the the Orioles offense, all kinds of guys showing up. Great to see Adley have a moment like that offensively. He has been getting on base for the last couple months, but the power has undeniably been down while Gunnar Henderson and Anthony Santander are launching the ball out of the ballpark basically every night. It was nice to see Adley have kind of a homer moment. And then, yeah, I mean, both games, you know, the game on, on Sunday was was just absurd. So that was uh, – and I think, if anything, we saw a split. The Rays showed well, right, what they were able to do in those first couple games, even against maybe not – I mean, Flaherty, we we know he's certainly compromised, but, you know, they beat they beat Bradish. Not that Bradish was, was bad. I mean, Bradish was good. They kind of left him in probably one batter too long. But these two teams are both – very, very, very impressive. And for the Orioles to kind of bounce back there and not let it go off. And, and getting that tiebreaker is just absolutely huge because it, it, the way people put it is it basically means you're two games up because you can you can tie and, and, and get the division. And that's, that's huge. So let's talk about the celebration for a mm-hmm. second. The uh, Rangers lost during the Rays-Orioles game. Mm-hmm. That mathematically clinched a playoff spot for both Tampa and the Orioles. This was in like the eighth inning about of the game. And so both Tampa and Baltimore discovered that they had clinched while playing one another. Right. Now, to be clear, this was an inevitability. The Orioles and Rays both knew that they were going to win one more game at Mm -hmm. some point this year, and the Rangers were going to lose one more game. So it's not as if this was a surprise. This was inevitable. But both of these teams clinched a postseason berth on the exact same day at the exact same moment while playing one another. They reacted very differently. In the post, uh, after the Orioles won the game on a walk-off, they all had T-shirts like clinched or take October, and then they did the full nine yards post-game clubhouse champagne luge celebration. Whereas the Rays were like, high fives, okay, we clinched, congratulations, let's get on a flight out of here. Yes. And I'm super curious about this. Let's talk about this quickly from Tampa's perspective, right? And I can understand, especially when you have a crazy game like this, I think that there's absolutely a scenario where if the Rays won this game, that they celebrated because they were feeling good and they wanted to clinch. At the same time, we've seen versions of this before, maybe not all at the same place, but if you clinch with a loss, maybe you don't celebrate until after a win. We've seen that before. So maybe they're going to go home now. They're going to play the Angels. 
the Blue Jays, maybe they they win tomorrow and then they they party, whatever, because they don't know what they're celebrating yet. And now in the Orioles case, when we we were on the phone during the game and we were both wondering, like, are they actually going to celebrate? Like, are they going to clinch? Because it might look goofy if they pop bottles and then lose the division, which is still possible, right? I mean, the Orioles now in, in a good position, but that is still possible when that look goofy. At the same time, when you consider the context and you consider where this team came from in not that long, absolutely they should celebrate, especially after a win like that. I have no problems with it whatsoever. I think it's fantastic. And also, if you compare it to Tampa Bay, who's made the postseason, this is their fifth straight year making the playoffs. Like, they've they've done this. They know what it's like. And they're confident enough that, like, they'll probably think they're going to win a playoff series and get to do that. So whether the Raves end up, you know, popping bottles during the regular season or not, the Orioles doing this and seeing all of the scenes from it. And, and I'm, I'm curious for you especially um, – no, it's not quite the same thing because you remember the Orioles making the playoffs not that long ago, but it's very it's a totally different group of guys, right? And so in the same way that I always talked about during my, you know, decade of Mariners fandom without them making it, like I just wanted to picture my favorite players partying. It seems like you probably had a a little bit of that sentiment with the Orioles yesterday. The moment that will endure in my head is when Mullins hits the sack fly. <clears throat> Rushman scores and everyone mobs Mullins and out of the dugout it comes it was part of that melee is Austin Hayes Austin mm-hmm. Hayes who is like best friends with Mullins they came up together they've played together they were on bad Orioles teams together and Austin Hayes is holding the Gatorade cooler right and he dumps it on Mullins and then there's this three second shot four second shot where Hayes just takes the cooler after it's empty hoists it above his head like a trophy and screams. And it was this release. It was just like, we did it. We won it. We, You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, finally, I can't believe it. And that raw moment was spectacular. And these celebrations are, they're weird. And it's very odd that they are such a fundamental part of the baseball watching experience. But it is a rare opportunity to see these players let loose in public. And you get to see who's friends with whom. And you get to see who's like what personality these guys are when they're throwing beers back. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it is a very interesting glimpse into team dynamic, but that moment of Austin Hayes hoisting the cooler above his head, like that'll stick with me. And the last thing I should say from the celebration, GM, Mike Elias, Orioles announcer and friend of the show, Kevin Brown and owner, John Angelos, all (laughs) taking polls from the Orioles water hose celebration device slash dong bong is a very I have never seen an owner that much in the mix like just yeah. getting in Did we it. have did we see the owner was he getting after the dong wong I didn't see and Yeah dude there's a see. video of Angelos taking a rip from the dong Oh I didn't see I saw Elias I didn't see the video of, of Angelos in there too oh man that's fantastic So uh yeah I, I agree it is <laughs> it's a strange strange thing last time the Orioles and we're going to do a lot of reflecting on them in the coming weeks but again and you mentioned Michael Elias Impossible not to contrast with Houston, right? Being a horrible disgrace of a baseball team for three years in an effort to kind of reset, rebuild, draft well, and get back to the top. This has happened so much faster in a tougher division, right? You look at the Astros and them losing 100 games in a row three straight years, and then and then they lost 92, they won 70 games, and then they won 86, and then they won 84, and then they won 101 in 2017. The Orioles lost essentially three straight years of 100. I'm, I'm just throwing 2020 out. Three straight years of 100 losses, 110 losses, I should say, almost. 
and then 83 last year, and now possibly on pace to win 100 this year. This is an astonishingly quick, you know, bounce back, right? It was ugly. It was bad. And that's why Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander and John Means, they know how bad it was, but it really wasn't that long ago. And that is what makes it so impressive. And the Orioles will be good from 2024 and beyond because of the spoils and rewards of playing poorly. And that is Adley and Gunner and Heston Kerstad. And that is all Jackson Holiday, mm-hmm. all the top picks that they got because they sucked, right? Mm-hmm. They are not good this year solely because they were bad for the last four. Yeah. That's important to understand. That yeah. the outfield of Santander, Mullins, and Hayes. And Elias mentioned that. Yeah. Yes. And he shouted out previous GM Dan Duquette. And G-Rod, right? And G-Rod, I mean, right? Grayson that was, was a, the first pick before, or the last pick before Elias comes in. So so yeah, there were obviously things that were that were done well, but it was this kind of dramatic overhaul. And and by the way, not just about drafting good players, but everything else involved in the Orioles organization, whether it's international scouting, whether it's player development, whether it's just different coaching, like all those things also had to change clearly. And they did. And now they are really, really good. So congrats to the O's. Congrats to you, Jake. It it is very cool. And just to kind of, not that I didn't know, we've known for months now that the Orioles are going to the playoffs. Um, It's like, holy shit, like, Buckle up, buddy. Like you get to watch playoff baseball again, which is which is the best and the worst. So buckle up, fucklehead. I yeah. I had this moment on Thursday when I went to the game. Like my aunt and uncle, who live in Baltimore, followers of the Baltimore. Hey, I've not been to a game in twelve years, ten years. Wow. And they went on Thursday night, and they had a great time. And it's important to remember that that the difference between twenty five thousand people in a sold out stadium is people like my aunt and uncle who don't go to a lot of games who could name maybe two players on the team thinking to themselves, ooh, this is a good way to spend an evening around a lot of people and good energy, right? That's the difference in any That's a great point. And so I'm happy that the Orioles are moving towards that and have in some ways gotten there already. Let's move from one juggernaut team to another. The Los Angeles Dodgers, who are, they're better than the Orioles, but that's not the point. They uh, won the NL West again for, I guess, the 75th time in 76 years is what it feels like. The 2021 yeah. Giants, really, what a, that becomes <laughs> right. more impressive every year that the Dodgers win the playoffs, uh, right. win the division so- again. Some teams like that just age so well. Uh, we always reference the 2019 Nationals in so many respects, but... But yes, you certainly appreciate that more. Uh, I mean, a great way to think about it, right, is the Dodgers have won the division or basically won the division every year since the Orioles were good and then became one of the worst teams of all time and then got back to being (laughs) one of the best teams in baseball. Um, The Dodgers swept the Mariners, and I'll touch on the Mariners part of this later, but I just wanted to hit on kind of how we feel about this Dodgers team and you mentioned the Giants, but let's just think about how we felt about the Dodgers. Remember the conversations we were having about the Dodgers before the season and how we looked at this lineup. And finally, for once, and we looked at the pitching, and that was before we knew how many of them would be injured or arrested, I should say, right? Like, this is a situation where we actually did look at the pitching and we felt pretty good about it. But the lineup, we were like, oh, okay, maybe it's not quite as strong, whatever. Here they are again. And my takeaway, and and 
you know, Dave Roberts gives his, he's given a, how many of these speeches at this point, right? That in, in the post-game clinch celebration and Jason Hayward spoke, of course, Jason Hayward spoke, right? But it wasn't Mookie or Freddie, it was Jason Hayward. And I think it was Kike, I saw the video, um, which is both predictable and kind of roll your eyes at. But my takeaway was like, a, a real lesson, I think, from this season is, and I think we could have applied this to the Braves too, right? Like, the talent here with the Dodgers at the top is still overwhelming. It is still some of the best players in the world, right? And Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. But ultimately, what they've taught us is you just have to kind of trust the organizations here. And trust the preparation and the execution, especially in a weekend like this where they clinch on Saturday, they roll out a hangover lineup on Sunday that doesn't have Mookie, Freddie, Muncie, or Smith, and they win anyway because they have Jason Hayward, they have James Outman, and the preparation and all the things that goes into winning baseball games, the Dodgers have just figured it out, right? It's true with Atlanta too. They've won, but like that's why it's so easy when we are sitting in March and we're looking at these rosters and we're looking at these payrolls and we're saying, of course the Padres can compete. Of course the Mets can compete. And it's like, no, just go with the baseball division winning team that you know, and that is Atlanta and LA. And it's just so impressive. And I don't know if they, I mean, they still are in such a weird place roster-wise in terms of making a deep run because of how ridiculous this pitching staff is because Clayton Kershaw is admittedly throwing 88 miles an hour. He's pitching at, who knows whether it's 50%, 70%. He knows he's not himself. He's still going out there, you know, all the time. And I don't know, man, it's it's so impressive. And I, I'm at the same time, I'm both so impressed. I still am sort of doubting how far they can make it. And also I'm done being surprised, not that they won the division, but even if they are in the World Series again, because they really have something that is that is so, so, so strong. The a- <clears throat> Excuse me. The apparatus is inevitable and they have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Yeah. And it's not much more complicated than that. Clayton Kershaw is not at his best. He is a 2-5-2 I know. ERA. He still, he still pitched well. I know, I know. And then we'll see if it comes back to bite him at some point. But then they had some moments this weekend where, you know, Bobby Miller looked really good. Emmett Sheehan came out of the bullpen and finally looked awesome. Um, so it's it's a weird group uh, for sure. Like Ryan Brazier is their, the real Dodgers bullpen uh, feather in their cap this year. Yarbrough's been great. Totally called that. Feel good about that one. Uh, but it's 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 still a weird team. But as far as getting to this point, it's just we're we're done being surprised. And and I will I will remember that finally <laughs> if I haven't already going into next season as well. All right, Jordan. Let's take a quick break. And when we return, we will talk about all the other baseball teams we have yet to mention. And then one final alley oop on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a quick housekeeping note about our merch. Look, in Australia, we love clothes and almost always wear them. If you're like us and also enjoy dabbling in clothes wearing, then why not consider some official Baseball Barbercast merchandise? Whether it's a jumper you're after, which you would call a sweatshirt, a cap, which we would call an old hair hugger, or a shirt, which we would call a belly wrap, we have it all for you. But that's not all. Do you also like to drink water or caffeinated beverages? Well, that's great because we have mugs and bottles to help you quench your thirst too. To buy any of this merch, go to podswag.com slash baseball. The link is in the description of the podcast. And don't leave yourself clothesless this postseason. And welcome back to Baseball Barbecast. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. It was Jewish High Holidays over the weekend. 
And so I did not watch a whole lot of baseball because I was connecting with my spirituality. And there are a few things more spiritual than taking a look at all the series in the league over the weekend. And we'll let Jordan kind of run point on this. I watch my highlights. Don't worry. I do my homework. But I did not get to take a lot of this live. And let's begin, as we always do on a Monday, with the sweeps. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sweeps this weekend. What is this? Seven sweeps. I guess it's sweep season, baby. It's, <laughs> we only had, I think we only had one last week. So uh, all kinds of sweeps. Uh, we already touched on Dodgers and Mariners, but I'll, I'll quickly hit on the Mariners side of things. They benefited from the another sweep that happened, which is Texas getting swept by Cleveland. Um, yeah, I mean, this is the worst the Mariners have looked in at least a month and a half. Uh, but again, like that's just the Dodgers have the apparatus. The Mariners don't have the apparatus. They have good players, but they don't necessarily have the, you know exactly what you're going to get every year, every series, every week, whatever. And so they kind of fall flat on their face. I was most disappointed with some of the pitching. You know, George Kirby threw pretty well, but they, they're they going to have to to bounce back again, though. You, you look at it in the, in the standings, they're still right there if you, you take it at the start of the season where they're at. Um, this weekend. So disappointing showing from Seattle. Going to have to bounce back as they go to Oakland. But as I mentioned, it didn't hurt that much because Texas comes off of their mop in Toronto by going to Cleveland and getting absolutely waxed uh, in three games, giving up all kinds of hits and runs to Cleveland, which is all you need to know about where Texas's bullpen and starting pitching is at this point. And it's basically exactly what I said after they mopped Toronto, where I was like, this is a good reminder of how good the offense is. But other than Jordan Montgomery looking fantastic, I did not see anything from the Rangers pitching staff that made me feel any better about them moving forward, and that showed uh, against Cleveland. And at the same time, the offense looked horrendous. They only scored six runs the entire series in three games. Lucas Giolito freaking cooked them. Oh, love to see that. Love to see that for Lucas. Far too late, right? But we want him feeling good heading into free agency. And that was a, a fantastic outing for Lucas. One month with the Guardians pitching development system <laughs> is going to definitely pay dividends for Mr. Giolito. I can tell you that. But yeah, like these are the Rangers. We've known these are the Rangers. They're volatile. Mm -hmm. The pitching is ugh. the offense besides that top group. And uh, apparently Mitch Garver has fallen off a little bit over yeah. the last month or so. Mitch Garver has been amazing. But yeah. You you sent me a tweet about the uh, the playoff odds between them. Yeah, and yeah. Well, well, this is good related to the next to the next uh, to the next sweep, which is the Blue Jays taking three over Boston. Now this was close. They really tried to lose a couple of these games. We had Devers game tying homer in the ninth yesterday. But hey, sweep is a sweep. They don't care how they did it, and that's how they bounced back from getting mopped at home. They were still at home against uh, Boston, so I, I have to imagine if there were. Uh, home fans that were, you know, dissuaded from showing up to the ballpark this weekend. If you stuck it out and you said, okay, I'm going to flush that disastrous week, you showed up and you saw a sweep. And the tweet that you're referencing uh, comes uh, from a Blue Jays fan, I believe. And this is just a great example of kind of how all these sweeps canceled each other out. When the Rangers series started with the Blue Jays last week, the playoff odds were 79.3%. After they got mopped, they were down to 33.6%. After this weekend, after they sweep the Red Sox and the Mariners and Rangers fall in their face, back up to exactly 79%. So it's basically like this last week, none of it ever happened. Uh, that's a lot of emotional distress for all fan bases involved to end up back at the exact same place that we were a week ago. <laughs> yeah, shouts out to Varsho AA for that tweet. I, I, What a bizarre homestand. 
I mean, they swept the Royals, got mopped by the Rangers, and then swept the Red Sox. And here they are back where they started. They're headed to New York this week. I'm hopefully going to see them for one of these games when they're at Yankee Stadium. I uh, Bo Bichette is really scuffling yeah. at the dish right now. He's made some good plays defensively and is as cool as ever, but he looks a little bit off offensively. And then Hyunjin Ryu on Sunday. Hilarious Hyunjin Ryu start. Tons of traffic. He's <laughs> throwing a lot of pitches, but not a run. No, he's still, he's great. And like, obviously him coming back is the reason why they told Manoa to go hang out uh, with Buffalo. So I, 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 I love watching Ryu. It's great having him back in my every five days uh, rotation, just as a, from a watchability standpoint. And they clearly trust him big time. Vlad finally having some big swings at home. Uh, I wrote a little bit about it. Fox last week, how bad he's been at home this year, weirdly, but he finally had some big, big moments there. And then the Blue Jays, Rangers, and Mariners, I have z- no more clarity on, I- on any of these teams than I did a week ago. And I yeah. actually don't <laughs> think we'll get any clarity because the difference between who shall live and who shall die is not definitive. Right. One team will end up slightly ahead of – or two teams will end up slightly ahead of another. But that's not going to make me think like, oh, they're definitely better than that other team. It's just totally a shit show. I agree, but two things on that. One, it's what we said – uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were kind of comparing the AL and NL races, that's true. It is not definitive, but it's not going to matter because whichever one of these three teams doesn't make it, it is a disaster. Full stop. Like truly. And you can debate which one it is the biggest disaster based on how they were the season. If you're saying how they were the season, it's clearly Texas because they were so far ahead. If you're saying based on expectations, it's probably Seattle or Toronto, right? And Toronto. Consider, yeah, Toronto. Yeah. Toronto probably comfortably ahead. Um, especially since they had kind of their eyes on the division even more so than Seattle did, I think. So definitely Toronto. But either way, one of these three teams is going to be terribly disappointed, even if they've proven they are all very similar. The last thing is, at the very least, we will probably learn between Seattle and Texas because they're going to play six times. Um, or seven seven times? I think six six times. So that, that will that will get sorted one way or the other, or maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be like Baltimore and Tampa Bay, and they end up close, splitting or close to it, and it ends up being a half-game difference anyway. So... We will find out. All right, let's move to a couple more sweeps we had. Marlins over Braves. This is a fun one. Of course, we talked on Friday about the clinching of the NLEs for the sixth straight year for the Braves. And then they rolled everyone out on Friday again. Uh, They lost Acuna left with some calf soreness. He ends up missing a couple games. Olsen has still played every game, don't worry. But the Marlins just kind of whooped them. And I know the Braves weren't exactly using their best pitchers. We had some some Derek Rodriguez action. We saw Nicky Lopez get a couple innings. Uh, but the Marlins offense coming alive. I don't really care who it's against. Jazz, Grand Slams, and back-to-back days. We got Jake Berger hitting bombs. We got Jorge Soler coming off the IL and hitting a homer. Fun night at, at Marlins Park. Or sorry, Lone Depot. That's the one I'm never going to ever remember to say. Uh, they were just, they had a fun weekend and at a, at a very important time to stay in the mix in the NL. You got to play the Braves 14 times if you're in the division with them. And only God 13. can decide. What do you say? 13. 13. And only God <laughs> can decide when you get to play them and the yeah. schedule making equation. The Marlins getting the Braves this past weekend after they clinched the division is a unbelievable stroke of fortune. So shouts out to Miami because the you get the Braves any other time, they might just sweep you at home. And so they picked up three wins against the best team in the world, and now they're tied for the Cubs for the p- final playoff spot. Yeah, 
I mean, they still let's be let's give them credit. I mean, it's the Braves still rolling out like a practical All Star team on offense, even without Acuna. Um, but you know, still true, still obviously right. And and I think that the schedule fallacies we're going to fall into them every year, right? We looked at this stuff a week ago, and we're like, oh, Astros, haha, they get to play the you know A's and Royals, and they drop series to both of them. There's versions of this that turn to be true, but in general, in this case, just great to see Miami bump, and it's just so great to see them still being in it this late in the year, and and also have some some like some routes. You know, they <laughs> lead in the league in one run victories. Nice to see them just kind of put a, a smackdown on an opponent. And they have the tiebreaker over Chicago and mm. Arizona, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking at that that Cubs Marlins uh, pairing there, and I'm just thinking about 2020. We need but to like bring if, back Jesus Aguilar to, to smoke a cigar at, at Wrigley Field, even if they <laughs> whether they make it or not. This is a good pivot because the Cubs go into Arizona and get swept by the Diamondbacks. And if the season ended today, I believe that the Cubs would be on the outside looking in. Yeah, because they, as you just mentioned, they don't have the tiebreaker over yeah. Miami. So Correct. that is a disaster. I mean, again, preseason expectations versus expectations in June, July, August. But if things have, have gone in the wrong direction for Chicago, they lost. They ended up losing five of six to Arizona over the span of, of two weeks, which is why now Arizona is ahead of them. Cubs on an L5. Their offense, Bellinger, has not been looking very good uh, recently. Um, it's really just been Happ and Horner, but the rest of those guys have not really been delivering on offense, and the pitching is in a very strange spot. Jordan Wicks, who had been fantastic in his first few outings, was not as good on Sunday Night Baseball in Arizona. Stroman's now coming out of the bullpen, which is weird. Steele finally got knocked around like I, it's all kind of, and we always knew this looking at this Cubs pitching staff. We've talked about it with Matty Lee. Like, what are we really looking at here? But it's, again, they're they're right there. I'm not going to say anything definitive about any of these NL teams. But it, they, they, it seemed like they were trending towards the Cubs and Phillies pulling away. And I was talking about that third spot. That is clearly not the case. That is what we need to learn from this weekend, right? It is no longer a four-team fight for one spot. It is a five-team spot fight for two spots. Yeah, Five teams for two spots, two weeks to go. None of these teams are actually definitively good. And we get to sit here and watch it all. I'm yes. very excited for this clusterfuck down the stretch. Yes. Uh, Jake, what did you say? Five teams for two spots? How about six teams for two spots as the San Diego Padres have won four games in a row? They did it. It took all season. They're the final team to rattle off a W4, and all it took was a trip to the Coliseum against the worst. Oh, no, not the worst. Royals are worse. Oh, wait, no, actually, I think the Royals might have jumped. Oh, yes, the Royals with their series win over Houston have jumped ahead of Oakland, so I can say it. All they needed was a trip to the Coliseum to face the worst team in baseball, and that's what got the Padres on a W4. They now sit just six games back. With two weeks to go, their playoff odds have skyrocketed from 0.0 to 0.2%. Are you saying this? Is there, is there a chance? that they got No, no, it's not going to happen. They're obviously not going to make playoffs. But nice to see the pot. It's Juan Soto. Mm. Juan Soto, who has just pers- he's carried on the whole time. He's played in every single game for this embarrassing team all season long. He's great. He had his first career Grand Slam, two home runs. Looking, doing Juan Soto shit. It was just, I love that guy so much. So happy for him. Rest of the team, 
should be ashamed of themselves. Um, one more sweet. Anything else on Padres in Oakland? W4, raise the banner. Raise the banner. Oh, Joe Boyle looked awesome. That made me very happy. Uh, last sweep. So many sweeps. Tigers over Angels. I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, good for the Tigers. Uh, that's all I have to say about the Tigers. I guess the Tigers at this point are playing to... They could finish in in second place. I mean, they're a game and a half back of Cleveland. I know Cleveland just, just swept Texas. But like Detroit, if they're playing for anything, they're playing for second place, which is embarrassing in the worst division of baseball. But good for them, I guess. Detroit is in their own category of mid with Cleveland. They are yes. they are not awful. They're no, very much not awful. They are not good. That's for but sure. They are not good. Uh we'll hit on the Angels side at the end here. All right, that's the sweeps. We had two other opportunities in addition to the Rays and Orioles who split and these were 3-1 series victories. The Twins taking 3 of 4 over the White Sox almost mopped him. Almost came back on Saturday but came up just short. Took care of business on Sunday against the lowly White Sox. Twins are in a weird spot right now. I'm going to go see them today and tomorrow in Cincinnati. I'm looking forward to kind of catching up with some of those guys, seeing where the vibes are at with them. But we've been seeing this all year. Like, they are just not being pushed. And while they are not the most overly impressive group, they kind of know that they don't need to do anything crazy because they don't need to. They're just going to win the division and hopefully finally win a postseason game. And if that wasn't – and I know I just said, you know, fallacy of the schedule. That's true. I'm looking at their schedule, and they play Cincinnati this week, and Cincinnati hasn't announced a starter for any of their three games. So twins against a mystery pitching staff in Cincinnati, and then they finish with Colorado, Anaheim, and Oakland. So, like, the, the twins will win the division. It's just a matter of when. And I, they are just kind of going through the motions. They're going to win the division with like 84 wins or whatever, 85 wins. And we'll see them in October and hopefully they'll win a playoff game. The reason I feel slightly better about the Twins in the playoffs this year than I have in the past, which is kind of insane to say, and I might take it back in the future, is Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan. Like yeah, Those no, are real pitching, adult pitchers. They're pitching and their bullpen has really started to round into form besides Yohan Duran. Um, I know Griffith Jacks has given up some huge home runs, but his numbers are really good. Louis Varland, they moved to the bullpen, is throwing 100 miles an hour. That's really impressive. They're going to get Brock Stewart back from the IL soon. He's also been really impressive. So the pitching should be there to at least win a game, right? We're so focused on the bare minimum. Win a game, please. As for who they're... Uh, they, <laughs> I think what's most interesting about the Twins is we're not going to know who they're going to play probably until the last day of the season. And so that probably complicates things for them. I imagine if they are sending people out to do advanced scouting, that has been some complicated uh, logistics. <laughs> but uh, that, I think, is the really interesting thing to watch for Twins fans because they will t- clinch the division in the next few days, probably the next uh, four or five days. And then it's just going to be waiting around to see who that third wildcard team is because, again, I don't think they're going to know until the very, very last minute. Rockies and the Giants. Rockies taking three or four from the Giants. San Francisco with just a beautiful opportunity here to claw their way back into the wild card picture. They're still only two games back, but losing three of four to the Rockies is just bad. That is yeah. just bad. The Giants are only two games above 500. They're, they're really, in my opinion, like in the Tigers, Guardians mid-category. <laughs> they just right. know, like they're, they, their processes are really good, and so they know how to win, but the players are just... So uninspiring and yeah. getting blasted like this by the Rockies. It's such an important 
juncture in your season is brutal. And they tried to lose the game on Sunday. They were up like 11 to something and they only won 11 to 10. It was just the Giants are doing the opposite of rolling. We had a classic uh, Kapler. Let's send our guy that just blew the game right back out there. Doval just not having it at all. And they send him back out there to almost blow like a five-run lead when it's like, well, why are you bringing in Doval with a five-run lead? It's like, oh, we'll build his confidence back up. Okay, well, now he almost loses the game. And now where do you leave him? Um, so, again, like that's – at this point in the season, you just – I know weird shit happens at Coors Field. But that's just – that, like you said, like that was a massive opportunity. They're playing the worst team in the National League. Um, as for the Rockies uh, – Nolan Jones, if I actually watched a good amount of this series for whatever reason, and the Rockies broadcast loves Nolan Jones so much, as they should. He's been great. This is no beef with Nolan Jones, but just the way they were talking about Nolan Jones was amazing. Um, and also like Ezekiel Tovar, who has not been that good. He's been great defensively, but because he plays in cores, his offensive numbers, like I did, this is a crazy, ridiculous stat head search that belongs in our my absurd thread of arbitrary stats. But I looked up this about Ezekiel Tovar, okay? Uh, 21-year-old short snops, 30 doubles, 15 home runs, okay? A-Rod, Carlos Correa, Ezekiel Tovar. <laughs> that's that's Amazing. the list. So it's like, I mean, has he been, he's been great on defense? Like, is he the answer? I don't know. Whatever. Rockies suck. Obviously, the pitching is an abomination still. Jordan, but hey, they're, I'm they're Venmoing- feeling good. Feeling good, I'm Venmo sure. requesting you a fine for talking about the Colorado Rockies for more than 25 <laughs> seconds. On this we're we're podcast. making great pace. We're making great pace on this podcast. So I figured it doesn't I'd, matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. You don't get to fill the dead time with the Rockies on September 18th. Uh, Simple. The act. rest of these, but, the rest of these series are not that interesting. All right, let's move to the rest of these series. Five more two one series victories. Yankees yeah. over Pirates. Anything to say about this one? Now the Yankees almost swept. Yankees postseason odds up to 0.5% as they sit just six and a half back with two weeks to go. What do you think about them? Same record as the Giants the Yankees have. (laughs) I love the Yankees' recent hot stretch. Keeping false hope alive for the guys over at Talking Yanks. They are allowed to wake up this morning and pretend and convince themselves that there's a path to the Yankees making the playoffs. That is so funny to me. There is no way this team is good enough. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not that good. There are some things to glean from this recent hot stretch. There are some, there's some things happening. Anthony Volpe, I think, is going to figure it out. He is a good big league baseball player. He's not the next Derek Jeter, but he's a real deal. And then, you know, Carlos Rodon, friend of the show, looking better in his last two starts, starting to rack up the strikeouts that they expected him to and get in a good spot for 2024. Yeah, and here's the thing about the Yankees. While I'm sure they know, too, that they are not going to make it, I'm sure it matters to them that they finish above 500. I am very confident about that. I know Aaron Bruzzo, every game means a lot to win, whatever. Like, we were making all the jokes about the Yankees being a losing team, and there's a world where they, I mean, they're two games up right now. They finish with six Toronto, three Arizona, and Kansas City. So uh, we'll see. See what happens with them. But uh, Yankees, I'm just happy for Carlos. That's really all that matters. Royals. How about this? Royals taking two or three at home from Houston. And again, Houston, they had the opportunity at the start of this past week with Oakland and Kansas City. It's like, okay, now is where the Astros are just going to win the division and make it boring. They did not do that. Uh, I still feel good about them. I still look at that lineup. I still look at the fact that they're healthy and I still feel pretty good about them. 
And so maybe this is kind of like an NBA level, like they're preparing for October, even though they haven't actually clinched the way that they normally do. And they haven't, they haven't geared up yet, but it's at least, I mean, I, if I was an Astros fan, this would, this would certainly piss me off at the very least. You ask anybody in baseball who the best team in the American League is, who they feel the best about winning the American League and going to the World Series, everyone will say Houston. The odds makers on all the betting websites agree with this, even though the Orioles are, what, like 10 games up in the winning <laughs> right. column on Houston, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Houston is the favorite, and they should be, and they are because they have been and they have done. This team has been in 28 consecutive ALCSs. We have not seen them fall on their face very often, even when they lose in the playoffs, right? Even when they look stupid, they don't look horrible. And so we we assume that they're going to be fine come October. Is that a fallacy? Are we being too presumptuous about the Astros' ability to just kick it into gear in the right time? The way I fall on it, Jordan, is like, until this organization shows me that they're they fail, that they can't do it, there's no reason to doubt them. I'd rather get burned for believing in the Astros than the opposite, right? Totally, 100%. And there's parts of this roster in terms of kind of the depth of the pitching staff where once we get to October and we're looking at a series and we're lining them up game three, four, five, and we're like, oh, maybe they don't have as much of the advantage. But as far as just the trust right now, still to win the division, still to make a long run, I, I 100% am, am with you. I'd rather continue to bet on them. Um, that's the Astros. They lost a series to the Royals. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, three more. Reds taking two or three over the Mets. They are very injured still, but the offense is getting healthy, which is nice. They lose the Sunday game. Mets having a couple moments there. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, Reds are Reds are right there. They're right there in the mix. They now come on to play Minnesota. I will see them today and tomorrow. And I don't have much more to say. I'm excited to check in with them. Graham Ashcraft, out for the year. Uh, big big toe injury. Big toe surgery. So that sucks. So Like his another, big toe or like an important toe? That's, well, you you weren't here for that discussion with Emma Bachelary, but that that is a, I don't want to rehash that. This was a whole Aaron Judge, when Aaron Judge is like, remember mm. they called it the great toe? How great is the great toe if it's, you know, anyway, okay. Uh, two more, <laughs> Brewers. Brewers over Nationals. Nationals taking the Sunday game. Brewers, big opportunity to sweep here. They're kind of like Minnesota at this point, right? I think that they are a better team than Minnesota, although it's pretty similar, right? They also have... You're you're shaking your head. You're disagreeing. I think they're pretty definitively better than Minnesota in my eyes. Mm -hmm. I think that's... Part of it is their front-line pitchers, I believe, in more a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly be- a bigger track record, but it's a similar. They're built in the same way where I'm looking at the right. run production. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. Hopefully they can score four runs. Yes. I don't know who's going to score any runs for them, but the reason I believe in them a little more than the Twins is kind of what we talked about earlier with the Dodgers. Yeah, no, I, the, I agree. Right. Institutionally. The machine sure. knows how to spit out wins. Totally. Now, they have not been able to do this in the playoffs recently. They're locked into that three seed. And they'll play same thing. Which this is this is what I'm saying, right? right? It's the same. It's they're in the same in terms of how good they are compared to Minnesota. I think you can. I, I agree with you that obviously the trust is certainly more with Milwaukee and Craig Council. Not that we don't trust Rocco, whatever. Um, but in terms of the situation where it's like going to be the three seed, they are built on pitching. The pitching is impressive. They don't know who they're going to play until the last day of the season, and that's going to be really interesting. But at the same time, like. 
they, and this is the other thing with Minnesota, regardless of who they're going to play, they're going to be able to line up their pitching almost certainly in the way that Minnesota also will, in the way that the teams that are getting in that last day might not be. And that might be the advantage, even if the team's coming in right. uh, at that point. Are, are Corbin Burns against situation. the ghost of Luke Weaver. Right. There's like there's a lot of versions of this <laughs> that uh, could favor Milwaukee in a very serious way in in that first round. I mean, just just to be clear, like are they? Yeah. I mean, they're whatever. They're seven games back in the. Well, there was a there was a moment like where the Cubs were hot, and the, when I saw the Brewers in New York a couple of weeks ago, and the Cubs were hot, they were actively rooting against them. Mm-hmm. That fear has completely evaporated. They're yes. now six and a half up on the Cubs, and so they yeah. don't need to worry about Chicago mm-hmm. catching them. At this point, Milwaukee's focus is kind of turned to getting healthy, getting their pitching lined up, getting right, and waiting for whomever the heck's going to take that sixth spot. Two more series. One more. Or one more series, sorry. Yep. Philly over the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis. I admittedly did not watch a lot of this. The Phillies looked bad against the Braves, but so would we. And uh, they got right against the Cardinals. They blew the game on Sunday which happens sometimes to the Phillies. But sure does. they're they're definitively the the best of all the wildcard teams. And what happens between now and the end of the season is not completely significant to me. Yeah. I mean again though, same thing where they're who they're gonna play is gonna gonna be probably a last minute situation. Uh which is fun. Fun for us. Right. Probably not as fun for them. But yeah, I mean then they've they've just still that bullpen situation, and and this was an especially tough one on Sunday because Taiwan Walker, you know, goes seven, and then Sir Anthony manages to come in uh, and allow a home run yeah. to Jordan and Walker. Jordan Walker looking fantastic lately. The Phillies do this thing now. There was an article about it in the Athletic where they make incredible comebacks and then blow it. Like they have all these game tying home runs, and then they end up losing the game, which is, yeah. I think, a good characteristic for a team because they're so stupid they're like oh yeah i well our track record says that if we tie it we'll lose and they keep tying it they keep they the offense is still able to do that right you know what i'm saying it's like what is this telling me am i am i learning more about how resilient the offense is or how you know the degree to which this bullpen can capitulate i mean even friday jose alvarado gives them a scare with a circus of a ninth inning so just um, want to say we have not talked a lot about the cardinals recently for good reason yeah. They had 40,000 people at their Sunday oh. game. Oh, yeah. They're still showing up. I mean, a lot of these, I'm sure a lot of their ticket, I remember talking to Derek Gould about this, like a lot of their tickets were sold so far in advance that were there actually 40,000 people there? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, still, people are still are still showing up and showing out. And, and uh, by the way, I'll allow that to, to just mention quickly before we finish with the Angels. Ollie Marmol is going to be back, uh, according to John Mozeliak, which I found at least... Mildly interesting. Again, do we feel, are we ever going to feel that strongly about the manager being the right or wrong choice? Usually no, but Ollie, at least in the first half, and this isn't just from us, like just based on the way people were talking about the Cardinals and what we expected to change, he was certainly something that came up a lot, and it sounds like they're going to run it back next year. Quick nugget of news dropped this morning, courtesy of Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, who is the uh, Rays. Number one beat boy. Uh, Rays set to announce deal for new downtown St. Petersburg Stadium. Doned 30,000 seat ballpark to be built near the trap. Would end a quest that dates back 16 years and included proposals on both sides of Tampa Bay. There are renderings of nice, fancy, bright buildings and smiling, diverse people walking around the concourses. That is how renderings go. 
we'll wait and see to get more information. We know how these things happen. The plan is for this new stadium to open in 2028. Uh, I don't believe we have like breakdowns of private public money yet. Yeah, there was I, there was a little bit uh, in there, um, which again, the details of which are obviously often not actually the case when you read them for the first time in the newspaper. So uh, I'm trusting Mark Topkins reporting, that's for sure. And the breakdown and the split there between how much is Florida paying for it and how much is Stu Sternberg paying for it, we will find out uh, at the same time. Like this is pretty significant news, I would say. Because yeah. people, as for all the circus going on in Oakland, deservedly so, and all the scorn directed towards that ownership and the way that they've handled it, the Rays have kind of benefited. Because yeah. remember, there was a moment where we were all making fun of the Rays for publicly floating, oh, well, we'll play half our games in Montreal. Like They had some goofy stuff going on too over the last few years that was also obviously related to negotiating and public relations and leveraging XYZ. But I think this is good. The difference here between Oakland and Tampa. Tampa's ownership, you can pick apart their morals and their intentions and their goals. They are smart. They are intelligent. They have turned the Rays into this over time. The A's are not, right? And so <laughs> that to right. the that is the difference. Like John Fisher and yeah. Sternberg, there are, I have issues with Sternberg, obviously, but like he's not an idiot. Yeah. And I think and John Fisher is kind of clueless. So that's uh, and disconnected, right? I think that's yeah. maybe the other biggest thing. Disconnected um, is a good way to describe it. Like Sternberg is around and involved and engaged and knows what's up, yeah. and Fisher's just living in a treehouse. Yep. So, but hey, this would be cool. If they build a, a ball, a new stadium, and people. I guess it's at least a little bit interesting that it's you know still in St. Pete, not Tampa Bay. But I haven't followed this stuff that closely, and. If it is a thing that is going to get more people to go to Rays games, that would be great because the Rays are always good and they deserve to have more people at their game. So Correct. that would be nice. Uh, speaking of teams that deserve to have more people at their game, probably not. Let's talk about the Angels, Jake, to finish out this podcast on this here Monday morning. Uh, they're out, They're done. So first and foremost, the Angels will not be making the postseason this year. In fact, they will once again have a losing season, Jake. They're going to have another losing season which they had every single year of Shohei Otani's tenure. They did not make the playoffs. They did not finish in a winning season, a winning position. On Friday, two very weird things happened. The first thing that happened was that Anthony Rendon spoke to reporters for the first time in two months. And he was very obnoxious about it, as he usually is. But the big piece of news that he revealed was... Yeah, I mean, my leg's broken. You know, I have a fractured tibia. And they're like, what are you talking about? The Angels have said for two months that it's a bone bruise. He's like, no, it's fractured. Alden Gonzalez has some reporting that he sought out five doctors. <laughs> and the fifth doctor was the charm that said, yes, Anthony, your leg is broken. Feels the like they should be able to figure that out. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but like I've seen x-rays, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it feels like you should be able to tell if there's a broken bone. The angels say it's not really that big of a difference. Bone bruise, fracture, he's hurt, he can't play. That's really all that matters. That's what Phil Nevin says. Kind of an impossible situation for the angels from a PR perspective once Anthony Rendon's like, yeah, you got to talk to them. My, my leg's broken. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Super weird. Uh, Anthony Rendon, again, is no interest in coming back. Um, although quickly on the other side of that, Mike Trout, meanwhile, uh, some reporting today 
that he is trying to come back just from a peace of mind standpoint. Do I think that's going to happen? No, but I do sort of understand that from his perspective, and I can appreciate Mike Trout wanting to play baseball for any reason. Dude, Trout has to hate Rendon. I was just thinking about that relationship has just got to be so bizarre on so many levels, Um, but totally agree with that. But then the other big news that happened on Friday is that after (laughs) the game, Shohei Otani appeared to have ghosted the team. His locker was cleared out, and everyone was like, what? That's not a normal thing that happens. The next day, they come out, and they said, like, no, it's fine. Like, he's just going to focus on his elbow surgery. Like, there's nothing weird about him totally clearing out his locker. That's false. That's not something that happens, even for pending free agents, even for people who go get surgery, even like clearing out your locker is not something that normally happens. That's fine. That's Shohei's prerogative, but it was very weird. Now, credit to Shohei. He did return and showed he was in the in the dugout for the last two nights, hanging out with Zach Neto, showing him like some some tips on how to hit, you know, baseballs over the fence. Very nice. Shohei's gonna hang out in the dugout for I guess the, the remainder of the season. But the clearing out of the locker is indisputably bizarre and has to at least indicate something. Like, there's no way that and Perry had some weird quotes about it. Of course, he's in an impossible spot here, too. The whole thing is just a mess. Embarrassing. I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for Perry at this point. I feel bad for just anyone on this team who is hoping to build towards a winner. All of it is very uh, embarrassing and sad. So that's Real the Housewives. Real Housewives of Orange County is yeah, what honestly. this team is. Uh, like Shohei's got to be gone, dude. I mean, yeah. I thought he was gone months ago, and I just can't foresee how he stays. It's just yeah. so untenable. The roster's so bad. It's just such a shit show. Why would he ever opt into this? Like, I understand they're trying to poo-poo him cleaning out his locker. That's just not a thing that happens unless there's a reason behind it. And if you're Shohei, there's reason to be totally frustrated. You know, thinking about the end of this tenure, I do have a slight amount of sympathy towards the Angels. Otani was hurt for the first three years and Trout was hurt for the second three years. And so it did. it's not so easy to say they had the two best players in the world, right? Otani alone. Remember, they got him for $2.3 million of international bonus money money. He chose them. This was not an investment. They did not have to really give anything up to get Shohei Otani. And still, they fell down the stairs. Yep. And that is uh, bad for baseball and bad for them. And looking forward, it is bleak. However, because we promise to say nice things about teams when they get eliminated, let's do our best here, Jake. What went well for the Angels this year that is not Shohei Otani, obviously, because we don't know if he's going to be back, that we can at least think, you know what? That might not be so bad. So the deadline was lit. It turned out to be. <laughs> what? What a terrible answer. Okay. Fuck you. Yeah, go Let ahead. Me finish. Go Listen. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. The deadline was sweet. Did it work? No, it did not work. But Jordan, the joy you felt in that moment, the excitement that mm. filled our bones in late July when the Angels put their pedal to the metal and said, let's try and win. That was real. This is like when you have a breakup, right? Let's say your relationship ends poorly. The things you felt in that relationship, (laughs) those were real feelings just because it didn't end well. Okay, true, but you're not answering my question. Uh, Because what you just answered is my question about what can we feel good about moving forward? No. <laughs> no, no, that, no, no. That I feel bad about moving forward. Trading, I feel good trading about moving Trading Edgar Caro and Kai Bush for three weeks of Lucas Giulio pitching poorly is a, is organizational 
just embarrassment, right? No, it's okay, a win. So what, what's it's good? A win. What's, what are the good things that we can look forward to? Uh, Zach Neto and Nolan Shanoel, they rushed him to the big leagues and they actually looked okay, right? Shanoel hits his first homer this weekend. He's got a 412 OBP. Uh, maybe his bat speed sucks, but clearly he knows what he's doing. I love Zach Neto. I believe he can be an all-star one day, even if his numbers are that bad. Logan Ohapi, franchise catcher. Awesome. Love Logan Ohapi. Just absolutely love Logan Ohapi. That guy is going to be, I feel terrible for him because now he's stuck guiding this aimless franchise. But honestly, I think that is the, if there's one thing beyond all the obvious terrible things that happened to the Angels this year, it's the fact that the pitching staff were, there were Angels fans out there being like, damn, like, I don't know, man, like Anderson Detmer Sandoval's like right up there in terms of mill rotations with any in the league. It's like, no, didn't happen. No. Detmers, Detmers, I guess a lot of strikeouts. Sandoval, I would say massive disappointment considering how we felt about him coming after the WBC. And he looked incredible, right, for Team Mexico yeah. team so there. So that's just – and Detmers is like a 4-3-4 four, four starter and everything. I have to say the, the two months of Mickey Moniak was <laughs> that, amazing. That was fun and maybe he maybe he gets healthy and is a, you know, a full-time starter uh, next season for them. But other than and, and Luis Rangifo, who then still finished the year on the sixty day IL, he had a, he had a nice season. But man, oh man, this is really bleak. And, and the question, the really depressing question that we've been debating, I think we did it on here, and I've been asking baseball people, is who has a winning season next, the Angels or the A's? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, that's it, Jake. We did a podcast. Let's keep it under an hour. Let's be nice. Thank you for doing this podcast with me. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. As always, we appreciate producer Chris so very much. I'm heading to Cincinnati to see the Reds and Twins tonight and tomorrow. Jake, anything you have uh, coming up this week? Yeah, I'm going to clean my room. All right, Jake's going to clean his room. We'll check in with him uh, about that on Wednesday. We'll be back then, uh, and we'll see which team makes us feel totally different about them in the next 48 hours. But until then, thank you all for listening. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Jake, close us out. Well, I want to say thank you to everybody who emailed us uh, saying whether which one of us is the president of baseball operations and which one is the general manager. Keep those keep emails those, coming. Keep those coming. I want to do an episode in the offseason where we have some GMs and Pobos on to do like a personality test to see who which one of us is the GM and who's the Pobo. I love it. I'm so in. Uh, we'll set that up. So keep those emails coming. But until then, we will talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Sirius XM Podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.